So today we're going to be talking about some data that was released recently by the Command Zone. So they've been collecting gameplay data from their Game Night series, from the Star City Games Commander Versus series, from the MTG Goldfish Commander Clash series, and from MTG Mudsta. So it's gameplay from a lot of disparate sources, and they've been looking at a couple of key data points to try to get an idea of what factors influence win rate. I don't think we're going to touch on how all of these impact win rate. We're just going to go over the most interesting findings. We'll give you some theories on why these connections might be the way they are. So the data is the commander of the deck that is being played, the average converted mana cost of the deck, the total cost in dollars in paper, the land count, the deck type, meaning like, is it Voltron? Is it aggro? Is it control? Whether the player had an early soul ring or mana crypt, meaning on turns one through three. Oh, and also the color identity of the deck. Oh yeah. And uh, of course that big outcome variable is whether the player won. What are your expectations going into this? What do you think are the most important factors in whether or not a player wins yeah. their four-man pod of Commander? And and just to be clear, all of this data is four-player pods. Yeah, so, th- I mean, the expectations I would have in regards to color is that white and red don't do too good mm-hmm. in general. I would think that, conversely, like, blue or green do really good. With, like, early plays, like, I would think that, like, Soul Ring gives you, like, a huge advantage. That is something that I would probably just assume, just because if you're on turn four or on turn two, that's pretty huge. Oh, uh, like, aggro's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think deck cost affects win rate? I, I mean, I would assume that the more expensive a deck is, the better it is in general. Yeah. Just, like, if you're spending money on, like expensive staples and cards you're going to get the winning outcome more often than someone who's building on a budget Mm -hmm. i agree budget is definitely a constraint that limits your options yeah so i also think that soul ring and mana crypt getting them early in the game is gonna increase your win percentage i wouldn't be surprised if white and red like you said were less good than the other colors i would expect average cmc would have an impact on win rate i feel like combo would have a higher win percentage, but we'll we'll see. And before we get into this and actually looking at the data, I do want to stress that there are a lot of limitations to it. Yeah. The main one is that there were only 313 games analyzed for this data. So that might sound like a lot, but it means that the further you narrow it down into, like, I'm just going to look at white-black decks and how they performed. Like, it may be that, like, white-black decks, there were only 10 games in which they were played, something like that. So the more you slice the data, the less representative that sample is going to be. Also, because these are YouTube series made for public consumption... Like, I think that decks that are less fun to watch are going to be underrepresented. Yeah. So I think that, like, there's a lot of really powerful solitaire combo decks in the (laughs) format. 
but that doesn't make for good TV. Yeah, yeah. So, like, these decks are probably geared towards less competitive metagames. They're probably tilted away from combo, more towards, like, big spells, haymaker-type magic, rather than, like, hyper-efficient. In some ways, this might make it more representative of the format at large. Although the format has gotten a little bit more competitive in the last, say, seven years, I think that the format is still very casual, pro-social, a a lot more Timmy-oriented. Yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. And so this data might be more valid, but I don't think it necessarily tells you what is actually the best thing in the format. Yeah, yeah, so like understanding the limitations on these, basically, to restate what you said, like, I think that is very important. Like, this is definitely good information, but it's not like the be-all, end-all of information. It's just the best we have right now. I think we can go ahead and jump into the data. So the most expensive deck in the pod had a plus 4% win rate. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I've definitely like been building decks and been thinking about, like, man, you know, if I was willing to spend another, like, two hundred dollars yeah i would definitely see an uptick in like how competitive my deck was because like your options are just limited if you're not willing to shell out for a survival of the fittest or like certain lands or something yeah definitely that one's not surprising it's it's not a huge bump but just pay attention as we're going through it and try to figure out like you know if i did all of these things what would my win rate be because 4% doesn't sound like a lot but these things really add up yeah there's actually this is an important thing to just note how like if anyone knows anything about like pro magic players like the win rate of a pro magic player doesn't seem like significantly higher than like most other players that you would imagine win rate like you would expect like like high 60s or something like that most pro players have like in the high 50s to mid 50s like win rate even though these win rates are gonna sound like small like it it adds up definitely mm-hmm. especially over time if you really care about winning games of commander then you're going to be interested in any percentage point you can pick yeah, up exactly the next thing i want to talk about is the effect of going first and this was really surprising to me yeah so if you go first you get plus five percentage points to your win rate (laughs) yeah it's crazy Um, and that's not something i really thought about prior to hearing this like i I just assumed that like after a couple turns that like maybe there's an advantage if you're going first and like you get a soul ring or a lanoir elves your opponents just have less time to answer an early start but really i i thought that over the course of the game that other players would be able to catch up but but it seems like there's just this huge advantage in some ways i can kind of see how that works out because you go first and like you said like everyone kind of has to play catch up if you start ahead Mm -hmm. Uh, and just the act of playing catch up like not having not being able to just do what you want when you want to Mm -hmm. can have a pretty big impact on the game like that's a whole archetype like tempo is a whole like archetype in different versions of magic So maybe it's just that, like, small tempo advantage adds up more than we expected it to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it really did, because I always thought, like, oh, I mean, you go first, you draw a card, everyone draws a card. doesn't seem like too big of an advantage, but I guess (laughs) it really is. 
It's pretty nuts. Interestingly, the win rate for the persons going second, third, and fourth is all like the same. It's all 23%. So they all get like a slight loss to their win percentage, but going second is not actually better than going fourth. Yeah. Which is surprising. That is really interesting. So like, uh, that's so strange. You'd think it'd be more like a descending. Yeah, the the, the person going fourth would. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense also because like there's Weather Wayfair, like the white ketchup cards and land tax and there's... I, I can imagine like a subset of cards that would prefer for you to go second that mm. kind of even that out. Yeah, I definitely, like, always enjoy going second because I run so many decks with those cards. Yeah. And you definitely, like, feel like you're cheating when you use Weathered Wayfair every single turn. Yeah. Starting on <laughs> turn two. But, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be so pleased with that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the next point is really Oh, yeah. <laughs> so both of us expected that soul ring and mana crypt would increase your win rate if you got it in the early game but it appears that that's not the case the command zone data shows us that getting a soul ring or mana crypt on turns one through three actually decreases your win rate by 3.4 percent yeah and that's pretty ridiculous like that's pretty nuts but i think you can explain why that is the case it's not just like i played a soul ring and now i'm gonna lose (laughs) it's Probably because everyone ganged up on you. Yeah, it definitely like elicited groans. Yeah. In a lot of games, it's not clear who to attack. I think people just tend to focus on whoever seems to be the most ahead at the moment, rather than like maybe who is the biggest long-term threat. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and so Soul Ring like, makes it really easy for people who are not sure who they want to attack. Yeah, yeah. That's a pet peeve of mine to all the listeners is like people who randomly decide who they're going to attack. Mm-hmm. Look at the board, please. <laughs> or also just like what each deck's long game potential is. That, yeah. That's a yeah. huge factor for me. Definitely. Like I know, okay, if I get to a 1v1 situation with that deck, then I'm probably going to win. So I'm just not going to pay attention to that guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I actively attack people who I know like if it's just one-on-one, I won't be able to, yeah. to defeat. Like, that that's a big thing. So, like, maybe someone is ahead right now. Maybe, like, this Hapatra deck is winning right now, but I'm playing a deck with no creatures. So, like, as long as I keep a Wrath up so I don't die. Like, that, that kind of situation. Yeah. That totally is something that is pretty common in my experience. I think that also, that data point also kind of reflects that mentality a lot more, too. Then I thought that people attack who is in the lead currently more so than like a long game expectation. Mm -hmm. It's which is more than I thought that would be. (laughs) The data from these games also seem to suggest that most of them finished in the late game. They said that like the winning player had an average of 11 lands and then the losing players had an average of nine lands at the end of the game. So clearly it's like probably turn 11, 12, 13. And related to that... It turned out that 42% of the time, the winning player had the most lands at the end of the game. That has a little bit of explanation in that, like, if you're eliminated earlier, then you're not building up lands yeah. after that point. And, like, once you get down to a 1v1, you've got, like, a 50-50 shot of having the most lands. Yeah. But still, there's a correlation there, and I don't think it can be explained entirely yeah. by just, like, player elimination order. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would agree with that. Like, I definitely have decks that I know. If, if I get to that certain amount of mana, then I know that I'm pretty 
good. Like, I can just probably win at this point, just based on, like, how the deck works and how, like, accumulation works over time and resources building and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, when I actually first started out, I was really, really focused on always hitting my land drops. Like, I think every single one of my deck had a Crucible and Fetch package, (laughs) and I was, like, really into Journeyer's Kite and Endless Horizons. I was, and of course, Weathered Wayfair, Land Tax. So I was just all about making sure I got a land every single turn of the game. And it's it's vindicating to know that that actually probably that affected my win good. percentage. That's pretty great. Okay, the next piece of data that I want to talk about is really spicy, and we're going to have a lot to unpack here. But this is what colors in your color identity impact your win percentage, and, how, and by how much. Before this, we said that white and red were probably the the worst yeah. colors which do you think is worse in commander white or red uh i would say white is probably worse in commander okay i think that a few years ago it was definitely true that red was worse yeah no I, yeah, yeah yeah actually i agree with that i think a few years ago that was true but yeah white has fallen behind and according to this data having white in your deck's color identity will give you a minus four percentage win rate. <laughs> Yeah, it's just they haven't really given white the things it needs, especially in the last few years when they've been, or at least they've said they've been, like, putting more of a focus on Commander. Mm -hmm. They still have yet to give white adequate tools, where, like, red has gotten a lot more Red has gotten impulsive draw, red's gotten rummaging, Mm -hmm. um, especially, I really like those red cheap rummaging spells, just like Tormenting Voice, uh, Cathartic Reunion, yeah, all those Red's also gotten like more combo potential. Red can generate tons of mana, yeah. copy spells. And just the commanders, too, that they've yeah. been support it a lot in the last I, few years. I think that a big, big part of this is the disparity in the quality of commanders between white and red. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though like it's about white throughout your entire color identity, so if you're a four-color or five-color deck, like... That is counted, yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, the more colors you have in your deck, like, the less each individual color matters. Yeah. Because you're going to have so many other options. I don't think it actually decreases your win rate that much. And also, it's a lot harder to tease out the impact of a single color on your win rate when you have four colors in your deck. I think that where this effect on your win rate matters most is in decks with fewer colors and like color identity and especially monocolor decks and that's the biggest difference between mono white and mono red is the quality of their monocolor options in recent years mono red has gotten these huge powerhouses there's Cranko, Duretti, yeah. Perforos, Neheb the Eternal yeah one. absolutely Zeta yeah like really strong commanders both for aggro and combo so there's just so many strong options so just commanders that can offer exponential growth huge amounts of mana copying spells at like a really powerful rate red is just overflowing with good options in terms of commanders that really sort of subsidize what the rest of the color is doing make it so that it doesn't matter as much if red isn't as strong as some of the other colors because your commander is offering you so much power yeah whereas with white it seems like this is supported a bit in the data because if you look at 
the monocolor identities of the decks that are being played, not only is mono red being played a lot more than mono white, there's 83 monocolor decks played in the data set. With mono white, there's only 42. Yeah, so it's just it's being played less in general anyway. It, it's being played less, and I think that might be a result of it's just not as fun to play mono white, or, or just the options aren't as good. And what makes me think that is with mono red, there are a couple commanders that people return to over and over, likely because yeah. they're so fun or more likely powerful. powerful. So of these like 83 mono red decks... Eight of them were Neheb decks, seven of them were Krenko decks, 11 of them were Duretti decks, eight <laughs> of them were Atali decks. 41% of these decks were just four, four commanders, commanders. Because, and that gives you an indicator of just how much of the power is concentrated in a few commanders. Whereas with Mono White, there's a lot more variety in the commanders being played, and I think that's because people just aren't returning to any of the commanders, because none of them are just that good. Yeah. Like, the only commander that has more than, like, three uses, more than three different decks represented in the the data set, is SRAM. And SRAM is also, we saw this in our EDH rec deep dive on the data, SRAM is also, like, by far the most popular mono-white commander and the most powerful. Yeah, I would definitely say so. You can speed through your deck and cast, you know, 15, 20 spells in one turn with a SRAM deck. I think that the number of decks... For any specific commander gives you an indicator of like how popular and powerful that commander is. Yeah. And the fact that there's such a disparity between white and red might explain why white is a lot worse than red. Yeah, definitely. Because we, we haven't mentioned this yet, but having red in your color identity actually gives you one percentage point bonus in your win rate. Yeah. Which is not expected. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect that. And that's really interesting that it's actually a positive benefit Mm -hmm. like and and the disparity between white and the rest of the colors too to come is so large yeah so just the fact that white and red are so disparate just between the two worst colors i would say or or is this supported here it's like that's pretty nuts i I know as, as you'll see like there is a larger difference in effect on win rate between white and red than there is between red and blue yeah which yeah is which is nuts so unbelievable yeah it is crazy like coming into this i was expecting that it would be blue at the top yeah green black and then maybe like maybe red then white yeah that was pretty much exactly what i thought too yeah what's yeah. the next uh do you want me to go through the most next powerful three color we mentioned them sure so blue's the next powerful uh it gives you a three percent chance like bonus to win if you have blue in your color identity and then green is next which gives you four basically four and a half percent to win which i think that's we both put green second so that didn't surprise us Mm -hmm. but that means that black is the number one yeah (laughs) at about five percent it adds about five percent to your win rate which i would not have guessed at all like i i don't know why in particular that would be other than maybe it's a particular skew in these games or maybe kill spells are just better than i give them credit for or the theory that was proposed by the command zone was that black's tutors were what gave it such a 
oh, gives big that bonus to your to your win rate. Like just being able to find whatever you need and especially find your win conditions. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Would though. really help out, and I think that that's also that also might be a big reason of why green is up there because like most of its win conditions are creatures, and it's as good at searching for creatures as black is at searching for anything. Yeah, that makes sense too. If your deck's only real win condition is a crater hoof, then <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter that much because you've got 10 ways to search for it at, yeah. at a reasonable rate. And on that subject, I want to get into another weakness that I think that white has. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that white is very, very bad at winning the game, and especially winning the game without telegraphing that you're about to win the Oh, game. yeah. I, I totally know that as like a truth. Like I, I've played lots of mono-white decks where I go, like, can you stop this? Mm-hmm. And then you have to wait a whole turn, and maybe you won. Yeah, but... like not having access to haste or yeah. <laughs> or really like any sort of consistent combo pieces yeah. or, or tutoring just means that your best avenue to victory with white is like, I'm going to cast this Conqueror's Pledge, yeah. and you can see that they're all 3-3s, three yeah. so what would you like to do now? Yeah, or, or uh, the classic Felidar Sovereign. Mm-hmm. You cast Svelodar Sovereign, and you're like, can anyone answer this? <laughs> and, like, if it's early enough, sometimes no. Maybe if it's late enough, sometimes no. But, like, it's still... You have to wait a whole turn cycle mm. before you get any payoff where, like, blue, you just have your Lab Maniac. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, I cast Lab Maniac, can I do this thing? Or you just, like, cast your Time Warp, yeah. <laughs> and then next turn, you cast your Time Warp again. And yeah, and you do so it again. So on and so and, forth. Or, or black just, like exsanguinates or like red has haste like you said like there's just so many all the other colors have something they can do like immediately and every every single win condition i can think of for white takes time yeah i haven't actually thought about that and how bad that is (laughs) i know like it's so great that red can just be like well you know i've got this fervor on the field and so any single turn i could probably kill you yeah or do something heinous yeah like balefire dragon or something and then green of course just has crater hoof that can turn any board state into instantly you're dead yeah <laughs> i mean green has so many cards that it, even just like a, a bunch of plant tokens and like dropping like a Beastmaster ascension mm-hmm. is like functionally similar to that like there's so many cards that kind of just do that yeah. in green Beast, yeah definitely Beastmaster ascension like you see a bunch of dorks over there and yeah. like some floaters and etb creature or whatever and then they're it's, killing you yeah overwhelming stampede there's a bunch of cards triumph that of the hordes triumph of the hordes there's so many cards in green that just functionally just turn like a middling board into like oh you're dead mm-hmm. so i i totally see how that that's a thing yeah i think that that might be the biggest issue because white White's been a selling point, and the, the, the line that Wizards has been pushing especially hard with regards to its design is that, like, white can answer everything. But I really think that most colors can answer things pretty well, and answers don't actually... aren't actually that great in Commander. Yeah. I'm wondering if there might actually be, like, a game theory explanation for, like, running answers is not actually that 
good because you can sort of just do this freeloading, like expecting other people to have answers <laughs> for the big issues. And like, if you're the person casting the answers, then you're doing those one for one trades that are putting you behind in commander yeah. and you're wasting your resources on like just not losing. And so everyone else can just sort of be a freeloader yeah. and put a hundred percent of their resources towards their like winning strategy. Yeah. Which honestly, I could definitely see that being a thing. The only decks that I know that are very good with like one for one answers are decks that abuse it, like Rashmi or something like that. Like most decks, decks where they like basically get all those cards back anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. or or like a, a I met someone who had a Damia deck that was just like this really disgusting like oh counter spells. Uh, kill spells, whatever, like, I can trade really inefficiently on these things because, like, I just protect Damia, and then I win somehow eventually. Yeah. So, stuff like that, where, like, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, another thing about white that I think is a major disadvantage here is just the inability to increase your own resources. Yeah, that's, that is definitely, I think, one of the biggest weaknesses. Black has card draw, it has tutors, if you're in mono black, you have cabal coffers, and that's, like, mana ramp there's also like doubling the amount of your swamps output so with yeah. stuff like um nirkana revenant or crypt gas especially mm -hmm. so black is really great at increasing its resources and increasing its card quality yeah with tutors green is by far the best at increasing mana and then these days like its ability to generate cards has it's been incredible <laughs> yeah has been really strong insane Power-based card draw, stuff like Shamanic Revelation, Camaraderie. Yeah. All those things make it so that green can, like, dump a bunch of stuff on the board and then reload. And that's really the, the longevity that you want. And then, of course, blue is... Just can do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, really... Yeah. Blue is by far the best at card draw. Yeah. And these days, like, red has been getting lots of temporary mana generation or card advantage in the, the form of impulsive draw mm -hmm. it's gotten a lot of good card selection yeah which has been pretty rad mm -hmm. that that definitely has like contributed to not even just like i would say my win rate but just like how much fun i have playing those decks because i feel like my like choices actually impact like the outcome of the game mm -hmm. where a lot of times that isn't always true <laughs> yeah I, I definitely think that with color identities that don't have access to a lot of good card selection or card draw it's just every single turn you're just praying that you top deck the card you oh need. yeah oh definitely. it just feels really helpless and so going back to like the issue of resource generation like white's primary method of generating card advantage is just focusing on the board yeah and it, like the way that white gets card advantage is it casts one wrath of god and takes out five creatures but that requires other people to be committing stuff to the board. White can't do anything yeah. if like everyone else has seven cards in hand and you have zero cards in hand. Most other colors can do something in that situation, but white is totally helpless. Yeah, most other colors have like yeah, literally anything like a card that they can like use or like an enchantment or something that helps them get ahead where like once white's kind of played out all of its creatures like or enchantments or whatever it's doing, they're just kind of... Or, or just runs out of answers. Yeah, or yeah, exactly, runs out of answers. You just kind of are top-decking, and you feel kind of just at the whims of fate. And then another issue is one of White's big draws is that it has Armageddon effects. Yeah. And so it can do something like when Green starts ramping 
really hard and just creates this huge disparity in the amount of mana available. White can reset the land count and sort of rein green in. It's like, okay, green just wasted all these resources to ramp its lands, and now it's back to zero, whereas white just played a single land every Every turn turn, until turn four, and then... Maybe you have two lands in hand, but like you know that the green player doesn't have any ramp spells or lands anymore. But unfortunately, like with the social nature of the format and like what the norms are... You aren't supposed to be casting mass land destruction for value or just to get them down from 10 lands to zero. Yeah. So just to to lay this out, and I think we can agree that the three main problems with white Mm -hmm. are bad mono-white commanders. Yeah, yeah. It's not able to build up its own resources, so it kind of falls behind. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it is not able to end the game. Yeah, it can't close things out and very it, easily. It, it's assault, and especially, like, as a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to telegraph that you're about to win, typically. And everyone has enough answers that, like, if, yeah. you're, <laughs> if you're telegraphing it, then it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think are the ways that we can address those three different problems? Yeah, that's really interesting, because, like, I think that there are some things that can help that like if white is the color of answers like give it like really overwhelming answers so like armageddon is a good example of that like oh white like easily falls behind on lands like well blow up the lands uh white falls behind on like creatures or pump full and like i stop that from happening the thing is that's like really unfun (laughs) that's really like if that's all that the colors are getting that's really unfun but I do think that, like, building into White's themes would help that. And Mara's said recently that, like, Dawn of Hope or whatever that card was, he thinks is, like, a pretty big bend, and he's not sure if that card should exist. Mm-hmm. Which I completely disagree with, because, like, the card rewards you for building around life gain in a way that rewards long game play, which is a thing that White doesn't have. And, like, that card is not going to break standard anytime soon Mm -hmm. at all like it's way too inefficient for standard but in a game of commander when you have eight lands putting two mana into drawing a card because you're like guy with lifelink hit that's great yeah like that's totally good so i think like building around that kind of i guess we've said this before like life gain rewards uh small creatures like building around certain subsets that white already cares about is a way to do that uh that they just aren't doing yeah I, i don't think that makes sense to say that like increasing your resources is outside of this color's color pot. Yeah, that's really strange. You can't be that restrictive. Otherwise, you're just going to run into these problems in formats like Commander, where it's all about the turn 13 win and who can like have the most resources at the end of the game and do the most broken stuff after they've had time to build up. Like Commander is all about the build up. If you just tell white, you can't build up. You are not going to have more than 10 lands on turn 10. Then, of course, they're going to be handicapped. Yeah. But I I think it makes sense, like you said, to find ways to generate resources in line with that color's philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, I, I totally agree that there's no reason that white is just the color of, like, no card draw or no mana or something like that. Like, that seems incredibly debilitating. Like, at least give it something... exactly like dawn of hope where it's a long game tool that people can use to win and you don't need to make it efficient for standard or something like that there's ways and designs that like um mentor the meek is like a perfect example of like a card that didn't break standard 
but like commander players love because it's one of the few ways that you can play white and not feel completely debilitated. Yeah. So I I think that that is a thing that exists. There's space there that doesn't undermine like what white wants to do in commander, but can be built upon. One thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, and it's not a perfect answer, if white's resource generation is all catch-up. Yeah. So, for example, things like Knight of the White Orchid. Yeah, yeah, Where it's like, this only works if you're behind, but we'll make it so that you can, like, catch up a little bit to the green player. Yeah. (laughs) We just cast Rampant Growth, whatever. I think that that makes sense. Boreas Charger is a step in the right direction, but just putting it on a Leaves of the Battlefield trigger completely... Yeah, it kills it in a lot of decks. In most decks. So things like that. I also think that maybe the Sandstone Oracle type effect, like draw cards equal to the difference, or the um, Kozilek the Great Distortion, that kind of trigger, drawing cards equal to the difference, that makes sense in white. Like, Mm -hmm. white has already had these things where it's like, we're all going to be even, from a philosophical standpoint, Wrath of God doesn't totally make sense in white, because oh, white yeah. is like the color of armies, but they've always justified Wrath of God as like white is leveling the playing field. And so why is it that white can only level the playing field in a negative direction? Why can't it level the playing field in a positive direction? Yeah, It's yeah. the same idea. So I like that idea. I think that that would make a lot of sense. The only downside to it, but this might a fair restriction, is that it's very reactive. Like, if you have a card like that, and you're not playing against any green players, yeah, <laughs> then it doesn't do a whole lot. So that's my solution for, like, the, the resource disparity and, like, the, ge- the problem of generating resources. For commanders, I, I think that they should do exactly what you were just saying. Just, yeah. like, look at the white themes, figure out what the holes are, and then just pump up the power level. Like, yeah, yeah. Like... Franco is absurdly powerful. Yeah. Neb is crazy powerful. Why is it that like White only has one commander that people really think of as like, whoa, that is not Yeah, that's fair. not fair. That's nuts. Like every color except White really has like a plethora of options of just like, holy man, what is that guy doing? So look at the White themes, uh, target him with commanders. That's my solution for the, the commander issue. And then the third problem of not winning not ending the game i've got an idea for that might be a little crazy i want to hear i want to hear your thoughts first do you have any ideas for this for white ending the game i think that like larger variants on like mass pump like they usually give white your guys get this much a turn like why can't white get a more intense version of like overrun Mm -hmm. like like or a variant on overrun for like a commander set something like that a card that gave all your creatures like plus one plus one flying and infect yeah that's within white's color pie yeah no 100 percent is and i i think that that is one way that they could do that i think that more so a lot of times they'll have anthem effects like why don't those anthem effects give like flying or something to mm. like just make it so that like it you can drop something with like a middling board and then all of a sudden your guys 
can get through or yeah. anything like that. It's it's kind of crazy that like white is the army color, but all the pay, the really good payoffs for having a lot of creatures on the board are in green. Yeah, all the game ending payoffs are in green. Yeah, which is really interesting. I also think that the green, not unblockable, the thorn elemental variant uh-huh. of damage that could totally be a white thing because white has like archers and heavy artillery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you could theme it really well in white, being like, yeah, when your creatures are get blocked, they can deal damage to the opponent like that that seems totally fine to me that makes total sense the only issue with that kind of thing is that i think part of the reason that crater hoof is so good in green is because green can search out crater hoof oh yeah. yeah 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 whereas white if you print a white crater hoof or a white triumph of the hordes even yeah <laughs> like white can't search for sorceries white can't search for creatures so so you're still at the whims of fate if you drew it yeah, yeah like that's a big issue with white is that because it has so little tutoring ability like it needs to have a critical mass of everything and there's yeah. so many effects that we think of as staple white effects that they don't even have a critical mass of name a third good white spot removal spell after swords and path to exile yeah that's or, or like really isn't or mm-hmm. like name like a third good white targeted artifact or enchantment removal that's true <laughs> or, or name a fourth good mass land destruction effective yeah white. <laughs> so white all it's like most powerful things like the very best cards there just aren't enough of them whereas like if you look at black there are easily like eight to ten Doomblade variants that are totally playable in Commander. Yeah. It doesn't matter that much which ones you're running. Yeah. Or if you look at green, there are so many ways to efficiently naturalize stuff. You've yes. got you've you know, you've got your naturalize, you've got your Crows and Grip, you've got your Nature's Claim, you've got your Reclamation Sage, etc. 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 So many good options for spot removal. Or even like in red, there's there's more playable Joke Labs variants in red. in red than there are playable Armageddon variants in white. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. I think Wizards really needs to either carve out new design space for white, because I think that the problem is like they've decided that so many of these things are just off limits now yeah like white is not supposed to have the most efficient spot removal but it's almost like white hat doesn't isn't allowed to have any, any yeah, spot, any spot removal. removal like they haven't they figured that swords and path would cover all eternal formats for until the end of time which is true for the the ones where you can run four of each yeah yeah exactly but not the case with singleton formats yeah definitely and or like with armageddon effects they decided oh we just don't want to print this anymore yeah. So that kind of leaves white on the hook with like, man, okay, I've got like a one in 99 chance to draw this card that'll win me the game. Yeah, I didn't actually even realize the naturalize effects in white or the disenchant effects, I should say, were that lacking, but they totally are because there's really, there's like disenchant and like seal of cleansing mm-hmm. and then everything else they've put more mana on because like it gains you four life or something yeah like it's just not good yeah there's no like there's a one mana one in green and there's no no equivalent in white yeah or or like getting it on etb creature like if you think about it reclamation sage almost makes more sense in white because white is all about small creatures and white has blink themes yeah that's so interesting it's so weird but i i definitely really like your idea of moving crater hoof effects overrun effects yeah. getting given some really pumped up ones in white i'd like to see a really efficiently costed cast out you know knock oh, mana yeah. off of it yeah, yeah. Or, a journey, or even like a journey to nowhere but give it flash yeah 
like just ways that you can answer people at instant speed. I don't even care that they're enchantments and that they can blow them up and get their thing back. Like just give it me the opportunity to interact with this Kiki Jiki that's about to target that zealous conscript. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the problems is there's one that they printed, but it like has to be tapped. Like, is it seal away? Yeah. Oh man, it's so, it feels so bad. Cause usually by that time, like the combo is happening. I mean, it will stop the Kiki combo, but yeah. there's other combos that like, Okay, I've got this Deadeye and this Palancron. You, you got an answer? And it's like, do, do you want to attack first? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I don't know, man. Who are you attacking? <laughs> but yeah, I think that just expanding on what White can already do and trying to get its answers to more align with what the format needs. Because there's no reason they can't print cast out but three mana. There's no reason they can't print like seal away but not tapped. It's so close. It's just a matter of like development, in which case... Just put it in a commander set. Put it in a conspiracy exactly, set. Exactly, please. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Just get it in our hands. Put it in Battlebond 2 or whatever, yeah. and please. S- and same with the overrun effects. Like, you need to get over that because it makes no sense that the big creature color gets the best overruns and the army color gets garbage. Gets Yeah, it's so weird. One more idea that would give white a way to like end the game really quickly maybe even as a surprise i'd kind of like to see more draw the game effects oh <laughs> no i actually like that. i mean i i i feel like you would have guessed that i would like that <laughs> yeah so i've been playing an enchantress deck recently and i'd say that most of the games where it doesn't lose and when divine intervention goes off that's so funny so uh for those of you who are not familiar with divine intervention and why wouldn't you be but, <laughs> uh it's an enchantment from legends mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. six white white enters the battlefield with two it's like intervention counters or omen counters whatever at the beginning of your upkeep remove a counter when you remove the last the game is a draw <laughs> so everyone's a winner yeah it's certainly a way to end the game that's in line with what the other colors can do yeah and it feels so white yeah no it totally does it's the most white like we're all gonna hold hands and we're gonna get raptured i think that most people find it fun most people don't have a problem with it some people do yeah and it's actually amazing how much of a problem those people have with it yeah is what i've noticed but i think that it, there's no reason that that couldn't be like a mythic effect at an extremely high mana cost that you print once every couple years and it's just cool now and especially and getting it on enchantment would be especially nice so white can tutor for it mm-hmm. yeah. but just it's a way to end the game yeah you don't win but it feels better for the person doing it than losing does it feels yeah. like you are having control of the game and honestly <laughs> it kind of feels like you're winning if you, yeah if you pull it off if you go jump through the hoops it feels like you're winning and it's great for sure. Yeah, no, I actually do think that <laughs> that's a pretty good one, too, because it doesn't, like you said, it feels so white, and it's space that they really could carve out. Like, they could even print an enchantment that's, like, if you would lose the game instead, everyone ties. Yeah. Or something like that. So, like, just something that, like, has to be answered before you die, or something like that. Yeah, or, or just some, like, strange condition. Like, if you have, you know, seven creatures on the yeah, battlefield. Yeah. Something, like, some sort of condition that is extremely white. If you have seven more creatures, tie the game. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, no, that's so good, though. Like, I think that that would increase diversity. I think people would play it. I think it would feel like a win for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people would, like you said, like just high-five after the game is over and be like, oh, yeah, like yeah. we didn't lose to Kalia, like <laughs> stuff like that. All right, the next piece of data that I wanted us to discuss today are wins 
by what card type the deck is focused on. Mm-hmm. They categorize decks according to whether they had like more than 25 creatures, that made them a creature deck. If they had more than like 15 or 20 planeswalkers, that made them a planeswalker deck. If they had more than 25 instant sorceries, it made it an instant or sorcery deck. If they had more than 20 enchantments, it made an enchantment deck. So after categorizing all the decks and also just having this separate category for like no particular focus on card type, they looked at how that impacted the win rate. Some of them were a little bit surprising. We'll start with the most boring pieces of data. Yeah, yeah. If your deck has no focus on card type, like you're not particularly concentrated in any card type, uh, you have a 26% win rate, which yeah. is one more than would be expected yeah, in a four-man game. You get a plus one to your win rate, basically. Yeah. If your deck is primarily creatures, it is flat 25%, so mm-hmm. no impact. And part of that is, I think, because so many of the decks were creature decks. Yeah. Like, according to this, 130 of the decks uh, cat- that were categorized in this graph, which is m- more than half of them, yeah, were creature decks. So if there's so many creature decks in the format, then, of course, their win race is going to be about even just because like the the average win rate across all card type decks is going to be 25 percent yeah artifacts there were only 16 of these represented in the sample it's definitely like a very very small sample size hard to draw conclusions and they had a minus nine yeah which to i their win rate but i'm not particularly surprised yeah i definitely feel that too they're so easy to disrupt yeah, white has access to like cleansing nova, austere command. Green has bane of progress and a million ways to find bane of progress. Yeah, and just like all the acidic slimes. Yeah, and red of course has like vandal blast, shattering yeah. spree, like really, really good um, artifact destruction. So, so many colors have ways to disrupt artifacts. And also, I don't think the payoffs for committing to artifacts are very good. No, yeah, like prior to like this year. And, and this is something I, I didn't mention before, but we can see the date where a lot of these games occurred. So some of them will they'll oh, go back yeah, to yeah. like 2017, 2016. Most of them were, were between 2016 and 2018. But because like we really didn't get a artifact commander printed until 2018, that means that any artifact deck made prior to this year is probably going to be a little weaker yeah definitely like, like i don't think brea is a particularly good payoff for committing to artifacts no i definitely don't um, and like Sharum is powerful because it has combo potential but it also doesn't actually need artifacts to be in the deck yeah you, you don't you only need some artifacts in the deck yeah you don't, you, you don't need to build around it per se exactly you need your sculpting seal and your phyrexian metamorph and i think like it doesn't offer a good enough payoff for the rest of the artifacts in your deck. Yeah. doesn't justify running them. So it's only this year that we really got a number of good artifact commanders. Like, Joyra is incredibly powerful, but I also don't think she's going to be represented in this data set because it's solitaire. Yeah. <laughs> or, or at least the most powerful version of the deck is not going to be represented in this yeah. data set. And then the ones that were in the artifact precon this year, they were released, like, three months ago mm-hmm. so they're probably not even in these games yeah or there might be one game with one of them in the game like where they didn't like we're gonna play the commanders out of the box or something yeah so maybe they'll be like arkham but i also don't think that like the most powerful version of arkham is going to be represented in this yeah sample. yeah exactly so artifacts are either like broken or underpowered which in either way i think the brokens are self-selected out of the sample 
and the underpowers are what's causing like artifacts to have such a poor win rate. And of course, you know, 16 decks out of hundreds is nothing. So Yeah. So I, I think we could explain that away somewhat. The next card type that was included in the sample was enchantments. There were only 10 enchantment yeah. decks in this sample. <laughs> they also had a, a minus 9% to their win rate. That's not at all surprising to me. There no. have been almost zero payoffs for enchantments. There's been like Xur, which like, is that an enchantment deck? It, no. <laughs> oh no. I would not say so. Yeah. Or like Hanna, that's a decent payoff, but I also don't think it... I don't think it's specifically an enchantment deck. Yeah. And of course like Tuvasa and Kestia, like they're probably not included. They were only released a couple months ago. And enchantment decks... I've talked about this before, but they tend to have trouble winning the game. The way they tend to build is, like, I'm going to... Like, a lot of people build in Pillow Fort, and then there's fewer spots left in the deck for win actual, conditions. Yeah, an actual win count. And, of course, if you're devoting 20 cards in your deck to enchantments that are not creatures, that also has the issue of, like, these don't win me the game. Mm-hmm. What do I do with these? The, the next one is Instant and Sorcery, and this one has a more robust sample. It's... 55 instant sorcery decks and they get a plus three percent to their win rate that doesn't surprise me at all i no, yeah that that makes a lot of sense because it's really hard to interact with instants and sorceries Mm -hmm. pretty much like two colors can and one of them does it badly yeah like really if you don't have a blue deck with a bunch of counter spells in your pod yeah. Then you just kind of have to sit there while the Mizzix player yeah, does their does, thing. Do, yeah, it makes whatever's going to happen happen. Yeah. So I am surprised it's not actually higher, but then again, maybe not all of these are spell combos. Maybe it's just yeah. they've got a Brawl deck with a bunch of counter spells. But still, I'm not at all surprised by that. I definitely think that if you want to win Commander, focusing on instant sorceries is a yeah, decent way to do it's it. It's pretty pretty good way. Pretty fun, too, I'd say. Okay, this next one has to be taken with a huge fistful of salt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is a, there were only four Planeswalker decks included in the sample. According to this, you get a plus 19% win rate <laughs> if you play a Planeswalker deck. Anecdotally, this doesn't seem that far out of line with what I know about like Atraxa Planeswalker decks and other decks like that. Like, it really does feel like you're playing Arch Enemy out of nowhere. I I knew a guy who had um, five color, yeah. but it was just I remember that Planeswalkers, deck. and that deck was so oppressive. Yeah. So just disgustingly oppressive, and the commander didn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, Atraxa, like, works with these Planeswalkers and is, like, incredibly strong. So, like, this, this isn't too far from what I would say anecdotally, but, like, again, like, the fact that it's so few decks. I would definitely love to see some robust testing on Planeswalker decks, but, but I really do think that they are quite powerful. Yeah. And there's so many ways to just completely break them Mm -hmm. like it's already hard because you're playing this kind of deck you're just constantly like clearing the board of threats so you can drop down a planeswalker then everyone has to like rush to rebuild their resources and like attack at that thing yeah and so like every single turn is about knocking you back down and if they leave you alone yeah you can come back crazy fast yeah crazy fast like if they if there is a drop in pressure like the things you can do are insane if you just have like a decent planeswalker on the board and then you cast devastation or you cast jokel hops yeah. or you cast destructive force or even if you just time warp and you're getting like 
multiple planeswalkers on the field, each activating their abilities, like drawing you more time warps. Like planeswalkers are almost a multiplier for time warp effects because yeah. you're you're almost getting another turn. Yeah, if you have a decent planeswalker out, it's really really nuts. Yeah, in the majority of games with one of these decks, they are sending all of their aggro energy at your planeswalkers and not at you. So like you your life total, life, yeah. yeah, your life total is really safe if you have if you're putting threats that people can attack. Mm-hmm. on the board every turn so there's just a lot of inherent advantages it's like it synergizes with cards that are already very powerful yeah and they unlock cards that normally are really hard to build around but are strong if you have say the abyss yeah or spreading plague like most decks use creatures as their win conditions but if you're freed from doing that then you run these like symmetrical just like all creatures are dead forever mm-hmm. all the time yeah, and and unlocking the potential of those is is also enormously powerful. I just I just think planeswalker decks have so many advantages. Yeah, I really do too. And like you said, like the Yoko hops, like there's so many of those. There's so many variants of those that and none of them hit planeswalkers. And none of them hit planeswalkers. It's so nuts. Which is actually probably one of the only saving graces of Atraxa decks is that they don't have red yeah. to run those effects. Mm-hmm. It's just they're so so strong. Again, like, this data, it fits in line with what I know to be true about Planeswalker decks within the Commander format. But at the same time, we really need better data (laughs) to prove this, if it's true or not. Like, they need to set up another study where they, like, interrogate some of these things that they weren't able to get enough data on the first time. Yeah, really, honestly. Honestly, this is something that I've been thinking the rules committee should be doing, which is have a spreadsheet that they're like, hey, download the spreadsheet and add to it. So, like, what were the decks you were playing? Like, what is the... Co- like, basically the same spreadsheet we have here, mm-hmm. but that people can just put I know, and have it on. be official. Or, of course, they could and should be getting Magic Online multiplayer commander data. Because mm-hmm. that there's got to be a way for Wizards to export some of that or, like, interrogate their own data and, like, produce reports. Yeah. That, I mean, even if they just got that, that would be fine. Like, honestly, even if they just got, like, 1v1 commander data, like, literally anything to say that, like, this commander's really good, this card's not as bad as you think, this card's way worse than you think, like, literally yeah, any data. It's awesome that the command zone did this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy that, like, we have official leaders for this format, and they aren't doing things like this. Yeah. Like, the rules committee just seems really... And of course, I have no idea what what goes on behind closed doors, but they just seem very complacent. Mm-hmm. Like their attitude seems to be like, and this sort of comes out every time they release another ban list update yeah. with no changes. But their attitude seems to be like, nothing's wrong, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, it ain't it ain't broke. It doesn't seem like they have a mentality of like data driven decision making or like continual improvement. Because I, I think there's definitely ways that the format could be made better from gameplay data like this, from working with wizards to do some sort of data sharing, from more rigorous experimentation than like, well, we put Protean Hulk in these decks that weren't trying to abuse it. Yeah. Or like we did, you know, we had a long discussion about Painter's Servant. And it's like, so you had a conversation? That's your yeah. basis for this? Like you just looked into your navel for two hours? Yeah. <laughs> It's really strange. And also, like, if the rules committee was, like, 
gathering more data, they could be more effective in their role as consultants for the development of these commander products. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Like they need to be having these conversations like the ones we've been having today with like, what are ways that we can make white better? Yeah. In, but without breaking the color pie. Yeah, totally. And I think it's well within their power and like, not even just well within their power, like should be a focus yeah. that they have. Like I, I would like to better understand what they see their role as are they emts who like (laughs) rush to the scene when something goes wrong or are they like architects which is what i think they should be yeah i also think that too it's really interesting that kind of stuff's really enlightening when you kind of figure it out what do they actually think they're doing Mm -hmm. what do they think their role in the format is yeah because i probably don't agree next piece of data this, this was an interesting one. Really hard to interpret this one. How are players eliminated? So for every player that got knocked out, they looked at what the cause of them being knocked out was. And this is probably going to be pretty misleading. Yeah, I actually agree with that. Because unlike the other ones, which is balanced based on expected win rate, mm-hmm. so there's like a clear metric for where you should be, this one is a lot more influenced by just what decks people happen to be playing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you look at all of the games, like, there's probably an uneven trend towards, like, creatures as opposed yeah. to anything else. So you're going to end up with a bias in that direction. Exactly. It's not like there's going to be exactly one person in the pod is going to be the combo deck. One person is yeah. going to be the Voltron. One person is going to be the, like, non-Voltron aggro. Like, yeah. that's not how it is. Like, there's... This one is very influenced by what people are actually playing. You have to look at those percentages in order to have an idea of what this actually means and like wh- how they are performing relative to their expected. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the largest single category is non-commander combat damage. That eliminates mm-hmm. 48% of players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that tracks with my experience. That's not yeah. so surprising to me. But then again, it's also like hard to think back like every single time you died. Yeah, what, what yeah. I don't really tally every single game I've lost and how I lost and what I was doing and what they were doing. Like looking at all of that data, you just kind of go like, oh, all right, and you shuffle it. So the next largest category is non-combat, non-combo. So this encompasses things like Exsanguinate or Perforos triggers. Yeah. Just something that's killing you that didn't involve turning things sideways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would quite a spike be put in this category or something like that? The Havoc Festival? That's a good question. I mean, a Havoc Festival probably would. Or like but... or like Group Slug type stuff. Yeah. I would say probably that, that's probably where this in fits ne- in. Like Nekusar would be in this yeah. in particular. Okay. That makes sense. Although I wonder, do people just never scoop in these games? I don't watch a lot <laughs> of Commander gameplay videos. Or maybe they just didn't include those in the data set. Like if people scoop because it's like, oh man, I didn't draw a land by turn six. I'm pretty sure the episodes of Game Nights that I've seen, they don't scoop. Okay. They're just like, oh, I'm waiting for you to deal the blow because it's like funny and they can like talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure about some of the other ones. Obviously, I've not seen all of these videos also. It's like 300 something games. Yeah. Next largest category is combo. And that causes 11% of player eliminations. That surprises me a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, when a combo deck wins, they tend to kill everyone else. Yeah. So you think it'd be, like, multiplied relative to, like, a Voltron player who has to kill, like, one person at a time. Yeah. Speaking of Voltron, the next largest category is 
commander damage with 6% of player eliminations. Then Which, which fits that Voltron category. Yeah. yeah. Then infect with 3%, mill with 3%, and other with 2%. I don't, I don't know exactly what other it's encompasses. probably like alternate win con. So like we, I mentioned oh, yeah. uh, the Felidar Sovereign. Sovereign yeah. And, yeah, all that stuff. This may seem like... Voltron is really small, like only 6%, but only 4% of the decks in the sample were Voltron, a little less, yeah. less than 4%. So what this means is that they probably killed like one and a half people, one to two people in those games they were in. Yeah. So that's not bad. That's actually about what you would expect from a Voltron deck is like killing two of the players and like killing... losing steam. Yeah. Yeah. Running out. Yeah. Yeah. Someone rests and you're like, whoop. Or they just like lignify you, like aha, yeah. <laughs> got him. Lignify so good. <laughs> yeah, the combo was interesting. So combo was eleven percent of player eliminations. But looking at the deck list, they've done some rudimentary categorization, and sixteen percent of the decks in the sample were combo decks. So that's surprising. Like because when combo wins, it takes out everyone, and because I think of combo as often pretty strong yeah same um it's you'd you'd think it'd be a lot more and and of course this combo percentage also includes just people having random combos in their deck just randomly getting into like kiki jiki zell's conscripts conscripts yeah just two main deck cards interacting with each other so that was really surprising to me and maybe it's more of a metagame thing like they aren't really pushing pedal to the metal with their combo yeah because they want it to be good tv or whatever yeah yeah giving it a cursory glance like a lot of these decks that are categorized as combos don't strike me as combo commanders yeah i'm seeing like lycia sanguine praetor yeah (laughs) rather than stuff like narset or locust god or like joy weather like captain yeah I think this is interesting, this player elimination percentages. I think just like the nature of this data, how it was collected, how the decks are categorized makes it really hard to make meaning of it. I think this category or this this focus would be really enlightening if the data was there to support it Mm -hmm. because like you said like the i think we need more rigorous definitions especially when it comes to like combo or voltron like that kind of stuff and i think that we need a more representative sample so like the fact that like all these have to be good tv yeah exactly is is not necessarily a uh great signifier of like what's going on in your playgroup at home or really anyone's playgroup that's not filming for youtube (laughs) before we end today i just want to do a recap and go over what you think the benefits of this exercise were so what were the things that stuck out to you most about everything we learned and, and influencing win rate the thing that most interested me was the color just how big of a discrepancy in win rates the colors are themselves Mm -hmm. and i think the thing that surprised me the most was the soul ring data Mm -hmm. (laughs) just that people gang up on you if you have soul ring which isn't like contrary to what i've experienced but i feel like a lot of the time they come out ahead anyway yeah Uh, so that kind of counteracted my anecdotal evidence but i mean i will yield to data Mm-hmm. So, like, if that is actually the case, then that is the case, and that's really interesting to me. One of the arguments that the Command Zone folks made was that because their games tended to end, like, turns, you know, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. the early Soul Ring Mana Crypt, like, you got a lot of time for other players to catch up. Like, maybe you got oh, the Soul Ring on turn oh, one, 
but maybe they got the worn power stone on turn three. Okay, so like they're saying that like getting to from like six to nine with Dreamstone Hedron mm-hmm. is like a bigger impact in Commander than like going from like turn two to turn five with the Soul Ring or something like that. Like you're trying to get to the higher mana faster. Yeah, and and I'd have to look at this more closely, but it seems like their average CMCs are relatively high. Maybe they've got a lot less going on on four to go from like turn one soul ring to turn two four drop, and maybe they have a lot more stuff clustered around like this six Five seven six. eight yeah. yeah where like the soul ring doesn't get you there that much faster relative to somebody who has like a slower ramp. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I know there are play groups that really highly value the two mana accelerants like mm-hmm. rampant growth and stuff because like the curve in their play groups is so low. Like, they're like, yeah, if you're in growth turn two, you always hit your four drops. And then I played in playgroups that are, like, the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Just, like, Rise of the Eldrazi, the playgroup, like, uh-huh. battle cruiser. No, when I first started playing Commander, I was really all about, like, the explosive vegetation, hunting wild. Yeah, yeah, I really loved uh, those. Sky Shroud playing. I still do, but... <laughs> because, like, the, you know, the CMC of my deck was so high, and going, like, from four to seven was a big deal yeah yeah but maybe this is just my own experience or maybe like this has been a trend in the format as a whole but it feels like average cmcs have been climbing downward yeah and so like explosive vegetation that itself would be on the higher end of your curve yeah yeah that's that's i i totally feel that when i've been building decks recently and looking at the curves i've noticed that trend like the decks where i'm like oh man i gotta cut something Ah, worn power stone like because it's like cost three i don't know like stuff like that what am i even ramping into yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) but yeah no that those are kind of my biggest takeaways because i feel like a lot of the other data i don't know how much my faith to put into it yeah i feel like the colors and the turn order and stuff like that that definitely i can see that that's actually pretty well founded with what mm-hmm. they have, but I, I feel like looking at particularly like especially like wins by card type. Even though this matches with my anecdotal evidence, I don't want to trust that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that is a good thing for me to to just go by. Like, well, it matches my gut. Like, mm-hmm. that's probably not a pretty good place for me to be. Yeah, especially with those ones with like less than twenty. Yeah. Decks that yeah. they're generating this data from. Yeah, and and like you said, there's a pre-selected bias. So they're going to play decks that are good for TV. Mm-hmm. They're not going to put a super well-tuned Jora 2.0 deck on the screen. Yeah. Like, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But they might put, like, a Taunos deck on the screen or something like that. For me, I was really happy to get this data on colors. Because, yeah. like, that really tells me you know i try to be an advocate for like what the format needs Mm -hmm. and how it can be improved and so getting this data lets me know okay i need to be like thinking about like how white can be improved i felt the wins by card type was interesting i would like to see a more representative sample that includes more of the like cutthroat instant sorcery like really explores that potential because like i think that number should probably be much higher yeah that might be an indicator that maybe counter spells need to be spread into another color Mm -hmm. because if this deck is just like clearly better than creature decks artifact decks enchantment decks 
decks with no particular focus. Mm -hmm. If this is just better than the average, then why is it that only one color can answer it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's something that white could get into. Like, A, white is hurting. B, white makes the most sense as a color for counterspells anyway. Yeah. C, like, instant sorcery decks are just inherently good because it's there's only one color that can interact with, interact with them yeah they tend not to be very pro-social oh yeah yeah you're usually sitting there like shuffling your cards up mm-hmm. it's like, like okay and now oh sweet got my past in flame so i'm gonna cast all of those again yeah. <laughs> you guys can get a drink it's fine yeah <laughs> don't uh, worry guys you know it's like how wizards says like they want to make sure that like the most fun gameplay is also like the best gameplay mm-hmm. so putting more controls on this like goldfishy solitaire type of deck would not be a bad idea mm-hmm. no totally those those are things that stuck out to me i got two more questions for you or, mm-hmm. or a joint question so what do you think players should do in the face of this information like what actions should they take how should they change their play style knowing this data like how like should what... they change their play styles or not or yeah or, or like what decks they're playing or whatever yeah i mean i think this could go a few ways because if they're trying to win i think this obviously shows that you just said instances of sorcery decks are better, and planeswalker decks are probably at an advantage, even though that we can't really be sure of that. Mm-hmm. And also that like Voltron isn't really as prevalent or powerful. Yeah, as as people think it is, because like I definitely have been killed by a Voltron commander before, like yeah. mul- multiple times. This happened a lot of times, but like when I do think back to those games, they didn't end up winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those games, it's really rare for the Voltron commander to just like like three shot win the game yeah that doesn't happen very often voltron is it's less represented than i thought it would be yeah although like the power level is about what i was expecting it doesn't seem like they're you know taking out whole pods all the time (laughs) like i've i've never thought of voltron as particularly interesting Mm -hmm. because it's like the default option for any commander and like it doesn't it almost doesn't matter what colors you are like which voltron commander you're using because so much of the deck is just like equipment yeah and like maybe your color influences which auras you run and like whether you have access to mass land destruction but really like all voltron decks kind of feel the same yeah there really is not much difference between like if you're putting an aura on your guy or if you're putting a sword on your guy so maybe the lesson here is for players is like you probably only need one voltron deck yeah (laughs) you're thinking about building another maybe don't yeah and maybe the lesson also for wizards is like they don't need to design any more voltron commanders yeah that's definitely a thing i mean voltron make like attack pants over there with his like seven voltron decks Mm -hmm. he can keep doing his thing but your play group is probably good with him doing his thing (laughs) Uh, other lessons for players man i guess just don't play white yeah <laughs> apparently if you want to win don't play white mm-hmm. yeah that's really still i'm still pretty surprised by that that it's so hefty compared to all the other colors which like actively help you yeah. win. like that's pretty bad white just has not gotten we spent a lot of time talking about how white has just not gotten what it needed mm-hmm. other things for players Man, mm-hmm. try to go first. Yeah, you and get also... Get some weighted dice or something. I don't yeah, know. the die roll is a lot more important than I would have ever imagined. Because, like, obviously in, like, a two-player game, it makes a lot more sense. Because there's, like, ramifications and, like, mana utilization and, like, card scene and stuff like that. But, like, I figured that just calling off 
that all washed out mm-hmm. in a multiplayer game. Apparently not, which is really interesting. Also, I guess invest in land-based mana ramp. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Especially if your group is one of the groups that shuns mass LD. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. go ham. Yeah, it was just no socially acceptable way to punish you for that so and it seems to impact your win rate so do it yeah Go for it. yeah just get more lands on the battlefield but yeah that's kind of it for me yeah same thank you all for listening let us know what you thought about this data if you had a different interpretation of some of these uh percentages we were giving you i mean this episode was just a lot of theory crafting so and you know you may be your theories better than ours yeah i i do want to hear what people think about this data and i also want to know if anyone has any ideas for gathering data like this i know that's a lot bigger of an ask or if anyone has heard of someone talk about this somewhere um that would be interesting as well just like as much like actual tangible data as possible i think will make the format better yeah and i think that like they kind of went overboard on the number of variables they were collecting. I think that based on this, like some of these variables, not that important. There's only mm-hmm. like a hand that we really need to know in order to make decisions mm-hmm. or for wizards to make decisions about how they can design to improve the format. Yeah. What I would really like to know, and it wouldn't be super easy to collect data on this, but I would like to investigate some of the cards that I think are problematic in the format and see like... Hey, how often does Craterhoof win games in your meta? Yeah. Or or at the very least, eliminate players in your meta. Let us know what you think. If you have ideas for how to collect data, if you have different interpretations of this, if like if this data aligns with your anecdotal experiences in your playgroup. Yeah, definitely. I think that's all very good. So, yeah, just let us know. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>